Hello and welcome to episode number 20 of Earth Repair Radio. I'm from a small little village with 600 families called Bayuda in the middle of Jordan, in the heart of Jordan. We distributed with the, the first campaign 6,200 fruit uh, trees, 25 dishes. Now we are 19 women together. Uh, and uh, we are expanding to eight villages, and uh, the goal is to plant 12,000 uh, fruit, different fruit trees with more than 30 different species. Hello, I'm your host, Andrew Millison, and today our guest is a woman named Elham Abadi. We're talking to Elham from her village of Bayuda in the country of Jordan. Now, some of you may know Jordan is the most water-insecure country on the entire planet, and Elham has initiated this permaculture project there that's really spreading from her village to the surrounding villages. They've planted thousands of trees. They've gained recognition from the government of Jordan, from the royal family in Jordan, and really are being touted as an example of how the country of Jordan can become a green and ecological country. So we're going to hear the details from someone who is on the ground doing the grassroots work within their community, and it's working. So listen up here to our interview with Elham Abadi. Hello, Elham. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Thank you so much, Andrew. Great. Thanks so much for agreeing to be on this podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, share your experiences there doing permaculture in what they call the most water-insecure country on the planet in Jordan. So I'm really happy to be able to share that with the listeners to hear about your experiences there. So let's start off by, why don't you talk a little bit about your background? Where are you from and how did you get into permaculture? Uh, my name is Ilham. I'm from a small little village with 600 families called Bayuda in the middle of Jordan, in the heart of Jordan. Uh, as you said, the most insecure uh, water, water country, the fourth in the world, uh, in Al-Balqa Governorate. Uh, so yeah, the, the village called Bayuda. And uh, we are a farming community. Our culture here is farming. So this is, I wake up every morning with oak and olive trees. So this is part of my daily life. You said, you said olive trees and what was the other thing you said? Oak. Oak, oak and olive trees, okay. How were you introduced to permaculture? Yeah, uh, first of all to the good food. Because, you know, people here in the, in the Middle East and Jordan and the Arab countries, they, they know how the taste of the food, the real taste of the food, because they've been doing farming thousands and thousands of years. <clears throat> so whenever I travel to a country, uh, when I taste the fruit, it tastes different in my home country than any country in the world, especially the, the citrus beans. We used to eat the whole lemon. And uh, whenever I travel, uh, it tastes different, you know, because it's either transferred from country to another or being fridged for a long time. It's not direct from the tree. <clears throat> so it tastes different. And every time I go back home, I, feel, I appreciate what we have, like the olives, the olive oil, uh, the wild edible plants that we collect uh, in spring in, uh, all around the year. 
that we can eat it and uh, the people they still have this knowledge it's not something they have to go back to the books and read and dig about it mm. so it's something we value and uh, i learned how to value it from my uh, from my travelings from my international friends from the people i meet uh, everywhere and from my mom for sure so you've uh, you've traveled in and out um, from jordan have you taken a permaculture design course before yes uh, me and my German friend, uh, Anselm Eibing. Hi, Anselm. I know I Anselm. Yeah, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we conducted a permaculture course here in Bayuda in 2012. Okay. And many interesting people came from all over the world with Rico Zouk as an instructor and Thomas Fernley Pearson from UK. Uh, he was at that time in Palestine. So we, we teamed up in a very good way. Since that time, uh, yeah, and uh, since that time, I I been introduced to permaculture, and I was studying like you know uh, uh, myself, yeah, teaching myself, and start uh, start learning about uh, how to market our village products and how to uh, learn from my parents and my father and the family because they are farming community, how to uh, how to dig deep in uh, farming and traditional. Uh, farming so yeah yeah that's really interesting so six basically six years ago you hosted a permaculture course there um, and you said there was foreigners there was was there mostly um, local people at the course you can say 50 50 from Brazil Syria Jordan many people from Jordan and they started their own farms they they specialized in uh, by either aquaponic or uh, permaculture or uh, يعني, uh, everyone uh, يعني, upon his uh, interest or passion. So yeah, even one of them was architect and another one was uh, a gardener. She had her own uh, garden designing uh, business. Uh, our friend in Brazil, he started his own business also or his farm. Our friend, uh, a friend of us from Egypt, he started from uh, France. He started his farm in Egypt. So it was like, you know, uh, this mix of people, you know, in these courses, very interesting people. They come and they have passion, they have dream, they have uh, a life shifting. It, these courses, um, they are like kind of life shifting. Those people who attend these courses, they want to do something different in their lives. So they just come to a PDC or whatever. Yeah. Now, I'm really interested to hear about, especially about how uh, your local community was affected and the projects that you've done there um, since then, since you had the permaculture course. Uh, but before we get into that, because a lot of our listeners may not know too much about Jordan and the situation there, right, with water and food security, um, would you... Give us a little bit of background. What is the food supply and water situation in Jordan right now? And how is life there? How is life for the farmers there in your region? And how, how has it changed recently? So uh, as we said before, Jordan considered as the fourth water scarce uh, country in the world. And uh, uh, the main river the water supply is like you know shared because of the uh, political uh, conflict in the area and then we had the the position of 
the geopolitical situation of Jordan affected the, the farming, affected the economical uh, and the environment even. Because, for example, the river basin, Jordan River basin, uh, and another, the other, the second uh, main river in Jordan, we call it Zerga River, which is close to my uh, my village. Uh, affected by the uh, the industrial uh, zone f- up from uh, uh, Zerka, from Amman, and uh, yeah, so um, we have water scarcity, but we have Jordan Valley, and we have in this small country a very diverse clim- uh, climatic uh, uh, opportunity. Mm. So, for example, in my village, we are we are up in the mountains. In five minutes, you can go down deep to a tropical zone where the river and it's very warm and you can grow banana. And up in the mountains, you have uh, apple, uh, you have uh, pistachio and you have olives. So this opportunity in five minutes, like, you know, drive is is something. And uh, till now, Jordan is not investing uh, 50% in this because of this this needs a lot of researches this needs a lot of uh, access markets to to sell and to um, deliver the products and to have indus- uh, uh, industry for example uh, in jordan valley farmers can produce three seasons a, a year they don't stop they don't give up they keep trying they keep farming even the geopolitical situation so people are farmers since you know since ages we don't stop farming. This is it. Right. Yeah. Now, I read a little bit last night <clears throat> um, about Jordan and about recently the introduction of something like 600,000 refugees from the Syrian war. Um, how has that impacted the farming and water situation that you've seen, or, or has it? Yeah, it affected. For example... When these uh, when these international agencies who committed to Jordan to support uh, the refugee situation, like you know, because uh, it's a neighborhood, uh, a neighbor country, and uh, Syria is a dear country to us, and they've been helping us a lot by they taking our produce and uh, import it to to Canada and the world because they are a bigger market, Syria. Mm-hmm. So with this political uh, geopolitical situation, the the international. Uh, um, uh, Committee, let's say, uh, did not carry the responsibility by uh, by uh, enough funding, uh, you know, adapting or absorbing uh, the refugees. The refugees, they are skillful people, they are nice, they are uh, educated, uh, and they are Arabic speaking. If we if we uh, support and uh, you know help them. Even they will help Jordan. It's it doesn't mean refugees. They need to, they have to live a miserable life mm-hmm. in the desert, in these tents. Uh, no people they they have to live uh, you know a normal life even in their uh, uh, يعني, uh, conflict or isolation years from their home country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about what you the work that you're doing up there uh, in your village and you were telling me before we got on this call in some messages, you were talking about um, how you're actually working now with a whole network of villages that are involving many people and and larger scale projects. So I'd love to hear about what your work is and um, how you're utilizing permaculture in your um, village community. 
So we have uh, we work in three levels in my uh, my home home uh, or uh, my family uh, level and then in my village level and then the whole municipality and if I can in Jordan level but let's say till the municipality which is 17 uh, uh, villages Bayuda is one of them and Bayuda is east west south and north so uh, we started doing uh, surveys analyzing our needs as community and uh, we divided Bayuda to seven neighborhoods. So every neighbor, neighborhood have a focal point. Uh, so my team is a team of women. Why women? It's not women empowerment or gender issue or sex, sexism thing. It's because women, they get things done. <laughs> I believe, yeah. So we started together. We did a survey. It took us three, uh, three months. And then we did, um, after we analyzing our water issue, water resource for each, every household in the village, uh, how many trees we have in uh, the backyard or the garden, uh, the area of the house, the area of the, uh, the gardens, how many trees they have. And for 10, uh, till 10, because the whole village, the whole villages, we have 1 million and a half olive trees. Wow. So it's, to us, it's like a desert till November because we don't harvest uh, olive all around the year and we need to eat uh, uh, beside the olives. We need to do other other uh, farming activities. So we, we thought as a team, why don't we have uh, more? You know, because people, they believe that uh, olives, they do not like to have something else beside. And my grandfather, he used to have apple, uh, peach, uh, grapes, figs. Uh, so it was like a, a bustan or uh, it was like orchard full of all kinds of fruits before. And people, they stopped because of tilling, because of the wrong farming activities, and uh, uh, they, are, they are not uh, practicing the permaculture principle. It's just they tilling till the land three times a year, and this is it. And they take all the sand, uh, the soil, the surface soil, from the under the trees, they take it away. So people, trees they became dry. The uh, the soil quality de- degraded, uh, <clears throat> eroded also. So, th- we need to bring this back slowly, gradually, and convince the community that this is the permaculture we are telling you about. Without, يعني, you know, pushing them, just with their willingness. So we distributed with the the first campaign six thousand two hundred uh, fruit trees, hmm. twenty five species. We introduced native species like the karub, like pistachio, uh, and uh, this is uh, incorporated with the Arabian Protection of Nature, one of the biggest agency in the uh, in Jordan and Palestine who give good quality, good trees quality. And uh, before this, also we did three for every child campaign. Uh, also, we don't talk permaculture. We don't uh, push the community. Just we, you know, uh, send these gentle messages that we need to change our approaches toward the, uh, the you know, the, the farming techniques we are practicing because we are uh, degrading our soils, we are overusing our water and resources. And we need to fill, uh, to, con- uh, to complete the food basket from our, uh, here, from the, the villages here. And this year, we, after we finished Bayuda, this year, the network of the, my team, they, are, they were eight, now we are 19 women together, uh, and uh, we are expanding to eight villages, and uh, the goal is to plant 12,000 uh, fruit, different fruit trees with more than 30 different species. Nice. We have our 
and now he's in Jordan, Thomas Fianley Pearson, and he's helping me uh, in, uh, you know, figuring, uh, figuring out uh, according to each climate of the village, what fits this village, what does not fit, how can we, uh, you know, um, ecological needs of, you know, these uh, uh, species, because we don't want to grow uh, papaya in the mountains. Also, we don't want to, to grow olives uh, up in the tropical zone. Even I saw it working in uh, in one of the areas in Jordan up in the north, where they have the olives and the papaya and the banana and the dates. It's it's amazing uh, climate here in Jordan. Hmm. So that's really interesting. It's, so it sounds like you said in your grandparents' times, there was diversity of fruit trees and lots of different species growing. And then at some point, it went into more of an olive monoculture. You know, how, yes. how, how did that happen? Tilling, you know, oh, okay. the truck. Yeah. 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 And the, far, the, 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 the farmers who's doing the tilling, they do not understand why they, why they do it. So they, they believe that they have to keep the, the soil sterile, no grass, no cover crops, nothing but the, the olives. Uh, how did this idea came to them and they, it became like a faith or belief? I don't know. So hmm. we are trying to change it slowly. How are people responding when you are talking about uh, not just having a monoculture, but actually having an understory and keeping the soil alive and planting other species? Do they remember what it used to be like? Oh yeah, they keep they keep uh, kept sharing their uh, their their stories from the memory, and this is why. It's a good question, actually. We came with a with a new model, which is the Permaculture Training Center, as open source educational center for the community and who who else in the world wants to come and learn and uh, study and do researches, surveys, uh, do a stay in the village, learning about a certain uh, uh, farming activity. So we are doing a, um, this open source educational uh, center where uh, they learn about permaculture, they see uh, simulation uh, models of how to grow uh, a certain, uh, you know, uh, species together, which is like, you know, the permaculture principles, rainwater harvesting, uh, fish ponds, ecological fish ponds, uh, uh, water purification units, because we brought the water from the river, also, we'll uh, have a nursery, native species nursery, and we'll have a small cafe for people to come and have fun and learn by seeing, by watching, by observing, by having good time. And we'll host many volunteers and interns, and uh, it's open for the farmers also. Nice. How are you funding your organization? Are you getting external funding? Are you guys generating money through your projects? What's, that, what's the support system look like? I started by selling the village products. So every farmer produce something. They come. I don't go to them, approach them. They come and say to, the, to me, Ilham, why don't you sell through your network our products? So we have uh, like, you know, uh, herbs, herbs. We have fruits. We have good strawberry. We have uh, also uh, citruses. We have dairy products. Uh, not too much free range eggs. We have very good honey in the in the, in the village yeah so i'm selling it and there's a small 
profitable portion where we can do whatever we like and we have people partners they believe in what we are doing and this year it's the royal court and the queen rania office actually she visited the village and she she supported us like uh, yalla try and show us your talent and how to to help your community wow so someone in the royal family actually is now supporting you so it's really yes. uh, wow that's amazing um yeah. Yeah, that's. I'd really love to hear a a story about your most successful farm transition, like the person or family that has taken up um, taken up your suggestions most powerfully, and and what is it that they're doing, and, and what is their what do their olive orchards look like now? Yeah, uh, like my fa- my family itself. Now we are growing more uh, more species. So yeah, my family and uh, the most skillful uh, uh, neighborhood in Bayuda, uh, we call it Al-Hgawa neighborhood. Those people, they know how to farm very good. And because they are challenged with the area around their houses, so they are doing their best to make the best out of it. So they grow whatever they can and they keep, keep trying. So they have the most beautiful gardens, the most beautiful fruit. And the, the best taste, and they do, uh, you know, like uh, they they practice permaculture without even knowing that it's permaculture or they they mean it, but because they are challenged with the area around their houses, not like the rest of the village, because they have areas so they okay they are relaxed, so it came يعني, naturally. Yeah, so you're saying that the area around their houses is more conducive to growing food than other places because of where it's situated in the landscape or because of the work that they've done? Because of the work and because situated in the landscape. So they don't, they have less, uh, less uh, um, property than the, the rest of the village. So they've been making the best of out of it. They grow more, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, it works. Yeah. Wow. So, so for six years, you've really been concentrating your efforts in this village of you said six hundred families, right? How have yes. you how have you seen people's livelihoods and people's quality of life change in that six years now that that permaculture is becoming fairly widespread in this village? For example, people they, for a certain uh, level they were leaving or uh, letting the farming skills. Uh, go. So women, they want to have a, a job in Amman or somewhere else. They don't want to take care of their land. People are selling their land. Now, people from Amman, they come and buy land here in Bayuda because of what we are doing. Many, wow. many, yeah, wow. many friends, they just, yeah, they just want to have a, a nice farm and do what we are doing. And uh, here, women uh, who <clears throat> decided to leave farming, they came back. Some of them they teach or they work in a, in uh, in Amman. When they come back, they have their goats and they take care of them. One of the ladies she just started two days ago. She just started uh, baking uh, the local bread. We call it shrak. Uh-huh. She's a university graduate and she started. So uh, we used to have two beehivers. Now we have five good beehivers. Wow. So it's expanding. Yeah. But wow. the herders, uh, yeah, the herders are challenged. So this is why we are starting uh, animal fodder in our uh, uh, permaculture site center, animal fodder and azola, because we wanted to uh, compensate or help the herders 
not okay. to degrade the native species in the in the villages, but we want to support them by giving them, uh, you know, uh, a, a good animal food like azola, like. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're growing azola in ponds or tanks or something, and then you're harvesting it directly for animal, you know, drying it for animal fodder. What's that look like? Yeah, either drying it or giving it a green, and they mix it with the with hay and whatever they have. You know? okay. A highly protein source. Yeah, even for the chicken and for the you know, yeah. Yeah, are you growing it in ponds or what? What is what is the con- what is the container that you're growing the azola look like? Yeah, the idea is to have two two models, and because we did not start it yet. Uh, to have it in artificial 15 centimeter uh, flat ponds and uh-huh. to have it in the swale where we did the water catchments in winter it, the swales will be empty and because we have a nursery so the nurseries uh, like you know these uh, beds for the nurseries either to have trees and we, when we give it or sell it uh, out uh, it will be empty so we'll grow azola so there is many uh, potential and farmers can do it, who have water can do it in their uh, you know in their zones or their uh, um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you guys grow Azola before, or is this something that was introduced to the area since you started doing permaculture? Last year, I visited Egypt because uh-huh. I kept hearing from my friends um, about Azola. So I went and visited many farms uh, and uh, many permaculture sites, and uh, uh, they are doing great. So I visited the Azola farm uh, and. Uh, yeah, I I brought even Azola and brought uh, smuggled red wigglers from Egypt. Oh, red my... wigglers, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, instead of the chocolate from uh, the airport, I brought, uh, yeah, my red wigglers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, and I tried in a very small scale Azola, and now we are doing it in a bigger scale. Nice. So that's really interesting. You You're doing this careful introduction of selective species in um, to your area, you know, including, uh, so the red wigglers, you're bringing them in specifically to do worm composting or how, how are you using those at this point? Yeah, we need uh, to do worm composting because of the, you know, we need to build the soil. We need it for the nursery. We need natural or organic fertilizer. So yeah, composting is very important uh, here in the community. Yeah. We, we are herders, yeah. We have manure, you know. Right. So if we, if we manage... And in the permaculture site, we have dry toilets. So we, composting is, you know, how important mm-hmm. it is. Are there other species that you've brought in, uh, that you've introduced into the area that were not there before that are making a big difference? Uh, just azola and the red wigglers. Okay. For, so all yeah, of- actually, yeah, pardon me. Uh, yeah, we are uh, bringing... A lot of uh, species that help the ecosystem to build itself again. You know, with the degraded soil, with the drought uh, and the climate change issue. So we are trying to do uh, as much as possible growing more, more uh, species that, that along with the native species here. Tropical is very important to us because we wanted to give uh, a cash crop for the farmer who yeah. gave a far- farming because they've been growing tomato and potato and uh, cucumber, you know, for 40 years. Mm-hmm. My family are, are farmers since ages, but now they quit farming because of the situation here in the country for the last six years. Um, so we want to, to support them by giving them, 
uh, alternatives for growing this uh, uh, challenging, let's say, and everyone is growing in. So we want to grow like, you know, tropical fruits, we want to grow a new uh, cash crops. So farmers, they go back to farming and they make living for their families. Yeah, so so what are some of the species that you've brought in that are now replacing some of the the other crops and helping out people to make a living? Um, it's 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 coming. We are not for mango, for example. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for example, uh, avocado. Uh-huh. Uh, يعني it's Thomas specialty who will keep trying because he's the archaeologist. He's the uh, this is his uh, specialty. We trust his uh, his uh, choices. Mm-hmm. And INCAR, the National Center for uh, Agricultural Researches, they are in the advisory uh, board of our permaculture center. And also they, they will give us a lot of uh, cactuses. And uh, yeah, so everyone is trying. Tomorrow, me and the mayor will have a meeting with the Minister of Agriculture also because we need to introduce the new species, the plant trees list. And uh, in the municipality level, we are working to declare the whole area as important, environmentally important zone in Jordan. Hmm. So we do uh, policy making toward eco- economic, uh, eco, social, environmental uh, issues. We don't want to to leave the environment behind, or the economical growth, or the society itself. We need to, you know. Yeah. Now, are Did there? Did I answer your question? Yeah, definitely. It's really, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to get a picture. I'm trying to, 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 to paint a picture to the listeners and, and to understand myself of mm-hmm. this, you know, of, of like what the, the natural history of the place was. You had this diverse system, right? And then the introduction of tillage, and then you went to more monoculture, but now we have climate change and the old systems aren't working and things are degrading. And now you're introdu- you're, you're bringing back things that were there, but you're also bringing in new species and new practices. And now you're creating yeah. new economic livelihoods and actually attracting people to the area from the cities. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm trying to just like fill in this picture to understand this transformation because it's it's really interesting and it's it's a model that it seems like could be adopted in other places um now are there people that have been have not been receptive to new ways have you had any pushback against some of these i'd say new and you know new slash old methods that you're bringing in it, it this will always happen for example, last year when we did the survey, people were laughing with about me and my team. That ah, are you serious? Are you going uh, to give us the trees? Are you going uh, to grow uh, ten fruit trees for every house? So they did not take us seriously. Uh, unless we uh, after we started the first neighborhood and we gave the people the trees, and uh, it became serious, and people became uh, become became excited. And uh, one of the neighborhoods in the night, you only will hear people digging with the healthy. It was like, you know, celebrating uh, the, um, the season of planting trees. And even when one of the, uh, the Nashmiyat, I call them, one of the focal points uh, ladies, she said people, they used to have a big fight on the land. 
they became shaking hand and greeting each other and supporting and uh, checking how you how you doing with your uh, uh, you know with the, with the holes did you finish so people they became you know it's uh, yeah like a, like a competition between them kind of thing who can a nice competition yeah. you know like a celebration yeah, yeah. farmers they are, they used to do harvesting they used to do singing while they are harvesting their olives or wheat so they were like uh, celebrating, uh, preparing the holes to grow their own trees. So it was it was a happy, uh, you know, moment in the village. Yeah, I saw. I um, this last year I visited India and I spent some time up in Rajasthan, uh, looking at visiting some of these villages that have been doing really large scale water harvesting projects since the early 1980s. So now they're you know almost 40 years in to this uh, big watershed restoration and they have big competitions between villages to see who can install the best water harvesting features every year and they go around and they have this big ceremony where they have a big march that takes days to go to the different villages and then they 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 give one of the villages like you know it's a prize like the water cup or something like that um so it's i could imagine that type of healthy competition happening between people there. Yeah. What we are doing, something similar, we are studying this year in Bayuda, the mortality rate of the trees we grow last year. So we wanted to do, to prize or to motivate uh, the neighborhood who have the most success, successful tree planting campaign because we did it. We don't want to cheat ourselves or cheat our partners or uh, Jordan or the world and say, yeah, we grow 6,200. We want to uh, to go back and analyze our mortality rate of these trees so we see uh, what what's happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the amazing thing is really that it's, it sounds like you're really starting to attract attention, both from the government and then from people from the cities and uh, do you feel like you guys are starting to be this sort of example of what the new rural Jordan can look like? I can say yes. Yeah. Confident. Nice. What does a sustainable Jordan look like to you? Um, as you said, horticulture, growing uh as many as uh, with the olives species, uh, green, have water, water springs, uh, rivers, uh, green Jordan again, mm -hmm. as, as we, we used to read, read about it in the, in the history. So we need to bring it back, you know, uh, with the species, animal species, birds, uh, happy, prosperous life. People can, can uh, grow what they want to grow and uh, they have the right to do it. Uh, access to land and um, you know have it again beautiful and green mm -hmm. yeah now have you seen have you seen good results from water harvesting like how much water harvesting projects have you done there and are you seeing uh, restoration of springs or water tables or you know how has that looked for you this is uh, not yet I can't say uh, we just uh, tried with the our experimental uh, pilot site yeah. uh, with permaculture center and it's doing great like in in one day in one rain uh, shower the three ponds uh, fish ponds 
they filled with water and the swells. Then we had uh, small damages in the swell. We fix it, and uh, it's doing great. So people are are watching. They are observing what we are doing. They come and visit. Uh, uh, a team from the Ministry of Agriculture came two weeks ago, and uh, we are planning to manage uh, with one stone, check them, or uh, you know these catchments, yeah. the sand catchments. One of the main valleys along uh, Bayuda. So this uh, is vig- يعني, people can see it. It's in the middle, in the heart of the municipality area, yeah. the 100 kilometer, and everyone can can see the results because it used to. Uh, to run all around the year, this this valley, because of the amount of rainwater and the many springs it had, but now it's dry. If we managed and succeed in uh, in managing this valley, main valley, people will will see the results, and we'll start this like Rajasthan uh, water catchments modeling and competition for every village. Right. Just we focus, you know. Yeah. Not yet. I can say not yet. Right. Well, yeah. visiting Rajasthan and, and, and talking and visiting other places as well, um, it seems like once large-scale water harvesting structures really start to build water tables and wells begin to rise up again and springs come back, um, you have a whole new level of interest from uh, neighboring communities as well as the government because it's, it's almost magical to actually mm. bring back, um, mm-hmm. restore the hydrologic cycle. So that'll, that'll, that's something to look forward to. And I look forward to hearing more about that um, over the years. Um, so you talked a little bit before we started recording here about the, the connection of permaculture to uh, traditional ancient knowledge. And I was wondering if you wanted to speak a little bit about that um, and how that is helping to, connect and enhance your project there yeah like uh, I, th- I told you in my childhood we we used to go to my grandfather orchard and it was full of all uh, the fruits like beaches almond uh, apple uh, uh, figs grapes plus the olives so it was and pomegranates also and the, the farmers they, they know where to grow the figs where to grow the pomegranates where to grow the the grapes in the in the terraces or the you know so uh, and it was t- the trees were were happy at that time you know the soil was very good the fruit tastes very good but because of the tilling and everything now we only have olives it's empty I feel it's green desert hmm. uh, so we need to bring this what we had in our uh, childhood memories and this is th- that w- at that time the farmers they used to do the crafting by their hands. They do do the the tilling by the animals, you know. And uh, it was very gentle care of the trees and the soil. And even the the, the terraces they build it themselves by hand. And the water, how they the harvest the water, uh, like they make every every tree as a functional unit, you know. They treat it as a holy, a holy tree because they want to do a catch water catchment around it. They do like a, a small swale or small uh, tunnel around the tree. So it was even sometimes one of the twins tree. I can send you the photo later. We call it. They call it. They gave it a name. It's the twins trees. And always, I tell my friends, they built around it not only terrace to protect it and to do a water catchment. They built a kind of temple around those twins olive trees. 
So far, farmers, uh, they used to take uh, care of the details, observing, uh, helping the tree to not only to survive, to grow and to uh, to feed them. The, the whole village, they used to help each other. They do in the harvesting, in the harvesting the wheat. Uh, the whole village come and help the, 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 the landlord because they know they will have their portion and they eat, they sing together and they celebrate the harvesting, uh, uh, you know, season. And uh, gently, the landlord or the, the guy who, uh, who owned the suite, he leave a portion for the women to collect for the to feed the, to collect for their families. So it's not like you know charity will give away from him. No, she collect and she do her she do her her work and he, he knows that she will benefit from this. So the whole community is they used to do uh, celebrate being together as a community and uh, support each other. The same they do with the olive. So for example, the guy who uh, who own the the olives, he give it to another farm farmer who don't own the land and he give him like fourth of the yield mm. so it's like uh, yeah uh, and my great grandfather uh, the 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 locals they used to call him his house the bread house because women for the for the uh, people who do the harvesting they used to do the bread and everyone come the workers and uh, the community to have uh, breakfast and have uh, a good meal because they are workers Hard workers, you know, harvesting, planting, uh, working in the in the field. So you, they used to gather and have uh, food together. So they call it the bread house. Now it's the city house in the village. Yeah. It's it's a happy life, you know, that everyone is working together. They share the meal, they share the food, they uh, they share the 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 uh, you know. Yeah, they share the water even because they, you know, the, there is a main water well or spring. They go to it and they bring their own water from that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting because it seems like to some degree because it's not that far back in history that you had a natural permaculture system there where you had diversity and people were living harmoniously and um doing good ecologically, you know, not eroding the soil and, and, you know, the, the water was flowing more freely. And it seems like because that is just not very far back in your history, that it's not too hard to spark that because the memory is there. And so you're just showing it. And I imagine that people are looking at it and they're recognizing that this is something familiar and it's not foreign. Is that how you feel? Yeah, this is this is what I'm I'm trying to tell you that it's in the people's memory and uh, even my generation who is not who did who some most of them they did not do all the these uh, techniques but they still have it they saw their parents or their grandparents doing it so they still have it yeah. it's still living here it's still a vibe and uh, the pulse is you know is strong even even with the edible uh, wild edible plants like. From now, people they go collecting khubeza. Uh, uh, you know the khubeza, the malva. Mm, I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the malva. I think. Yeah, and they just collect everything, even mushroom, uh, wild plants. They keep, uh, you know, it's 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 another celebration, like collecting the wild edible plants, the medicinal plants. 
the uh, for example there's a, a certain kind of uh, uh, spice they added to the 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 ghee and it makes the color yellow and it's like 14 different wild uh, uh, medicinal plants the women they collected from all around the country so my mom she arranged a trip to the north just to pick a certain wild plant to add it to this uh, mix of spice imagine then she take them to uh, another area close to amman to collect another uh, species and they keep all around the spring collecting these species till they gather what they need to do this uh, uh, herb mix as a spice for the ghee to make this good flavor for the main dish in jordan which is the mansaf hmm. yeah yeah I'm, I'm getting really hungry actually listening to you talk right now <laughs> So, so when you're going and, and you're talking to farmers, right, are you just, you're basically, are, are you going and saying, hey, we're, we're just going to, we're basically just looking to put things back the way they were? I mean, do you, do you pose it like that? What we do is, my team, they do surveys, they do researches, they do collecting data, you know, because we are, we have a bigger vision, we want to reach it. But meanwhile, we appreciate everyone's input. What they share us, they will t- they tell us the skills they have. For example, now we, we talk about uh, terrace and uh, swales. So we try to catch whoever farmer have this skill to engage him as you know a teaching or a resource to teach us. It's not uh, you know a modern skill or building a nice terrace. For example, one of the farmers he is very skill skillful. So everyone. People, they used to be, at a certain point, I told you, they want to go to the modern life and have a job in Amman and change their lifestyle. But with, with what we are doing, they go back to, to themselves. So they feel they appreciate the skills they have and they are not shy to, to show these uh, skills and uh, be uh, themselves, you know, because they, everyone like the free and uh, enjoy, uh, you know, his, the, the you know, this simplicity in in the life yeah now are there other important parts of your your organization and and how you are accomplishing this that um that you haven't talked about that you could share that might that might help other people who are trying to do uh something similar to what you're doing just and my my advice is just to to listen to the community needs Keep, keep observing. It's not only like permaculture principle, uh, first principle is to observe. Observe your community. Uh, see the, your strength uh, and uh, your weaknesses and try to fill the gap. Like, you know, there's, there's, there must be uh, a good team you can build within your community that they can, uh, you know, can, can, uh, uh, I don't know what to say in English. Like mm-hmm. they can carry the, this mission, just uh, and enjoy, enjoy life with them. You know, we sometimes we play chess. My brother is leading the judo uh, sport because we want to engage the youth, and they are very important to us. We don't want to uh, to have a gap, another gap like what happened to my generation. You know, we want to continue this message, so we want to keep connected with the elderly the middle uh, age people and the, the youth 
the youth are you know they want to go to university they want to uh, to follow the modern lifestyle to be computerized digitalized but also they can be farmers also yeah now do you uh, is that uh is it a special struggle to uh, touch the youth now with with farming i mean do you do you have youth that are you know choosing farming over that urban lifestyle or is is that you know you know how 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 are you accomplishing that and is that a struggle it is it is a, this is very challenging like you know if uh, but with with what we are doing with the growing trees with the community people start questioning what we are doing where are we why we are taking us ourselves away from from our tradition and uh, and uh, our uh, original lifestyle so as i told you a university lady she came back to to start a, a traditional bread as a business which was huge demand on it uh, many ladies they started uh, a home based uh, uh, pastry and uh, bakery others they do uh, a jam house so they be, they came back to to themselves because and uh, start seeing opportunity in their heritage and local skills before it was like something they want to forget and ignore yeah. so it's coming back yeah nice now how can yeah. people learn more about your project and contribute and you know support you we uh, volunteers are more than welcome intern students and uh, whoever have a skill or have a, a good seat and or have a you know a researcher uh, anyone who have time anyone who can uh, join us you are more than welcome and uh, yeah there's a place for everyone i guess nice and how can people find out do you have a website or contact that people could get in touch and see what you're doing yeah there's a small facebook uh, it's called alkarm if you go to it, it's about the permaculture uh, uh, training center, and the website is under construction mm-hmm. under Bayut Village Initiatives. How do you sp- how do you spell the the Facebook page you said? Al Karm A L K A R M A L K A R M. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Um, have you visited, you know, there's there's the, the well-known uh, Greening the Desert project down in the um, in the Jordan River Valley that, uh, you know, Permaculture Research Institute and Jeff Lawton. Have you visited that site? Sure. I visited, visited that site two times. Nice. Yeah. And do you, yeah. do you, are you, uh, do you feel like you guys are doing similar techniques? Like if we've seen pictures of that, is that, does that give us a little bit of a visual of what? you're doing up in your area yeah yeah actually what they are doing to jordan valley uh, in the south is uh, in the in the sorry in nashuna is uh, is quite interesting um, but what makes us <laughs> different that we are in partnership with every single person in the village and this is this is what makes us uh, you know يعني, i don't know uh, I think Jeff Lawton have to have to expose more and to to engage more with the Shuna community, and um, he he's doing great with the video thing. But I want him to, you know, expose more to the community there. Yeah. it's amazing what he's doing, especially in that he opened it to the public public now, 
and with the cafe and uh, the the thousands of students that he taught either interns or uh, online or physically they came all from all around the world and attended his uh, uh, his courses yeah yeah it seems like there's no substitute for being of a place and then doing a permaculture project within that place because you are not an outsider. You are of the land, you are of the people and your ancestors have been there. So there's not the, the stigma of being an outsider coming in with some new information. And I think that's, that's to your great advantage. And there's, you know, I think that that's a lot more effective I think that's the most effective way for a permaculture project to really take off in an area is when there's when the the idea is being generated from within the community. So. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. يعني, uh, introducing the permaculture as a new science uh, makes people, you know, uh, stay away a little bit, but localizing it as much as possible. And use the local, simple uh, language uh, makes it easy to, you know, easy, easy to adapt even. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really great. And I'm just, um, the, the more I hear uh, and get to fill in this story, really, of how your place has transformed. In a way, it's like uh, the place was... A paradise and then it became lost for a little while but now it's finding itself again i'm really impressed and I, i wish you all the best of luck and i hope that some of the listeners can connect with you on the and we'll make sure that we list any um links in the show notes so people can connect directly with you and maybe pay you a visit and um, help support what you're doing in some way thank you so much andrew and i just want to to raise the listeners' uh, attention to John Liu uh, relation to us also. Okay. Because these big names are very interesting people and they've been doing a great job to the world. So we have the Bayuda Declaration in 2014. We met from all around the, the world uh, with John Liu and his students and we did something called Bayuda Declaration to start Ecological Restoration Research Center uh, initiative. And after that, they started in Spain. And John also is a very good friend of us. So, hey, John, friends. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Us. yeah. And I interviewed John um, a few months ago on this podcast, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So the last one I did was John. So, yeah, that's great. I actually, and, and just, just yesterday, um, I, I recall that in my interview to him, I said that I was going to become a member of the ecosystem restoration camps and give 10 euros a month to contribute um, to the ecosystem restoration camps. And so it's a nice reminder in this show to tell anybody else that if you go to ecosystemrestorationcamps.com or .org, you can find it searching. Um, you can help the ecosystem restoration movement. So that's great that you guys are connected as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Elham. This has been very, very interesting and informative, and I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to share with the listeners, and uh, I wish you all the best of luck on your project.
Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for all this effort you are doing to connect people and to uh, highlight uh, these uh, initiatives worldwide. And this is how we help our uh, communities, uh, our planet, and uh, ourselves even to feel good about, uh, you know, life. Thank you so much. Right, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, come on, visit at some point. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. I would love to. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to Earth Repair Radio. I'm Andrew Millison, and you can find more episodes on earthrepairradio.com.